verses to memory uh, during the course of this summer. I really, really believe that God gave me, uh, or at least in a very significant way, blessed me through these verses during our sabbatical time. And then uh, as I was reading these verses over and over, uh, I, I began to believe and see uh, that this kind of a, a commitment by us as a church family together um, could help us to kind of uh, embrace the truths in, in, these, um, in these verses. I believe that these verses lived out pretty much capture what God intended when he came up with the idea of church. Uh, they, they're rich, rich verses. And uh, if you would like to have a little bit more background as to why I say that or, or what exactly the basis is or the foundation is for these verses, then I want to encourage you to read the whole book of Colossians. It's actually very short. It's probably uh, four-ish pages in your Bible, I'm guessing, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little less, depending on the font or the size of print that you've got. But, uh, but I also would like to, if you'd like to take it a step further, challenge you to, during the course of the summer months, read through the whole little book of Colossians. Uh, the book of Colossians is, is rich. The first two chapters here in the book do an extensive job of explaining how central Jesus is to life and to their faith and how useless many of the traditions and the rituals and the beliefs and observances, those earthly things that they were uh, committed to, how useless many of those things are. In fact, he goes on to say not only are those things useless, but there are actually many times where those things that we do here that make us think that we're being very spiritual and that we're on track and that we're on target, often many of those things actually become not just useless, but they actually become more than useless or worse than useless because because they actually begin to become a distraction, uh, a diversion, taking our focus and attention away from what really matters. And so in that sense, becoming actually more than or worse than even completely uh, useless. And chapter 1 and chapter 2 are very much committed to, in Colossians, are very much committed to uh, helping us to understand and believe and see some of that. If you really sink your teeth into some of it, it it's a little uncomfortable some of that, and as you compare it to some of the ways in which we have done church or done our, our faith journey. That takes us to chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and that's kind of where we started last Sunday morning. Uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, where it challenges you to set your heart on things above, set your mind on things above, and then we jump down to verses 11 and 12, and that's kind of where we concluded last week, where we said that Jesus is the basis for how we view other people, and Jesus is the basis for how we view ourselves. And somehow we need to come up with a bit of a foundation if we're going to move forward from there and begin to be church together. And so I challenged us to believe that chapter 3, verse 11, and the beginning of verse 12 kind of give us that foundation of, of how Jesus calls us or exemplifies that we view other people and that we view ourselves. Verse 12 calls us holy and dearly loved, and Jesus is the reason why that is what we are, not because of anything that we've done, not because of anything that we're planning to do, not because of anything that we have intentions of doing, um, not because of, of anything in and of ourselves. Jesus is the reason we are holy and dearly loved. And to embrace that and to begin to believe that and to allow that to become reality for us 
seems like it's kind of essential for us in order to be able to move beyond that and begin to be able to do church together effectively and live out what God's plan is for us. So that kind of sets the groundwork for this morning. If you missed last Sunday, I want to encourage you to uh, go to our website. Um, we were a little bit tardy during the last several months. Uh, Mike and Jesse were a little overwhelmed with everything that needed to be done, and so we were behind a little bit with uploading podcasts to the website. Um, we've got a renewed commitment, again, to keep up to date, especially during the summer months, with uploading uh, the messages, because uh, you are traveling around, as we can see here this morning, people are traveling around and doing vacations and all of that kind of stuff during the summer months, and uh, we would love for you to be able to stay up to date as much as possible with what we talk about here on Sunday morning, and so uh, the messages are up. Again, I think we are caught up, or pretty much exactly caught up, and uh, and. Today's message, last Sunday's message, uh, will be up there for you to listen to. And so, if you missed last Sunday, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, during the summer months, if you find yourself going out camping and doing vacations and all that kind of stuff, uh, go back to the podcast and listen to what we talk about here on Sunday morning. Colossians chapter 3, verses 11 to 17. The verses that I challenged you to commit to memory. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start reading um, after the first little verse uh, or, or first little phrase of verse 12. So 11 and the first little bit of 12 we looked at last Sunday. Uh, and then we're going we're gonna to start talking about or I'm going to read what we're going to talk about this morning. And I'd like you to listen carefully. Follow along in your Bibles if you have them open. Follow along the screen. Otherwise, um, listen carefully and, and allow this to um, speak to you and envision what this could be like if this was lived out in reality. So here we go. And remember this talking about a group of people, the church, the family of God. Here we go. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. For me, that's, that's, that's rich. That is so full. It is so complete. Um, I, I, it's hard to even kind of imagine, but what would it be like to be a part of a group of people where this would be reality. A group of people there where, where there will be an evident spirit of peace and thankfulness. And people going to operate out of humility and gentleness and kindness and compassion. Oh, and we're going to be worshiping together and we're going to be teaching here and we're going to be holding each other accountable here and this is going to happen in this environment that is saturated with these characteristics and over all this we will pour a healthy dose of love and compassion and forgiveness, words that together spell grace to me. And I say, that is incredible. 
And I wonder, is that actually even possible? Now, not for one minute am I claiming that we have this mastered, but I am convinced of a few things. I believe with all my heart this is God's plan for the church. I believe with all my heart that this is God's plan for us here at Pleasant Valley. And I'm convinced that I want to do my best to do this together with all of you here. Now you're beginning to wonder if this is kind of a fluffy pep rally. And, uh, and it's not. This is actually God's word. This is actually him expressing his intent for us. His call for us. And when God expresses a call, it's not a fluffy pep rally. And all of this is going to be rooted in who Jesus is. Last Sunday we talked about that. We kind of built that foundation. And even here in these verses, he continuously points back to Jesus as the foundation. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. And so over and over, even as he does this call to the church, he points back to Jesus. It's all ultimately rooted in who Jesus is. And if you need a little reminder of that, we looked at these verses last Sunday, but chapter 1, Colossians, verse 16 and 17, it's all about him and for him and through him and by him and because of him, Jesus. It's all rooted in Jesus. So in the next couple of minutes, I'm just going to break this down for us a little bit. Hopefully that helps us to remember or for it to sink in a little bit further. The first little section here speaks about what you will wear. It's interesting terminology, actually. He says, clothe yourselves in. I'm not sure if you caught that or not, but verse 12, in the middle of verse 12, that's what it says. These are the qualities that you will simply carry with you if you kind of envision the clothing that you wear. They will be a part of you. They, they will be like well-fitted clothes. They will move with you. They will not hinder you. They will not be cumbersome or uncomfortable. This is what you're going to wear, these things, and you're not going to be consciously thinking about what you're wearing all day long. In the morning, when you take a look in the closet, you're going to pick what you're going to wear, what you're going to get dressed in, and then you move out into the day, and you don't think all day long, what am I wearing? What am I wearing? What am I wearing? How am I going to show people what I'm wearing? How am I going to show people what I'm wearing? No. It kind of becomes a part of you. And so you get dressed in these qualities in the morning when you get up and you get dressed. This is what you get dressed into. Some people love clothes. Spend a ton of time and money on finding just the right clothes to wear. When it comes to celebrities, there's magazines and there's TV shows and there's, there's uh, commentators that critique everything that they wear and why they're wearing, what they're wearing, and when they're wearing it, and what does it say about them on that day when they're wearing it. I've never had that kind of an obsession with clothing. Maybe you're sitting there and thinking, yeah, we can see that, Darren. Um, I'm not criticizing that. I'm just wondering if we wouldn't all do much better simply trying to get dressed in the clothes that Paul is challenging us here to get dressed into. Be a little less captivated with 
Giorgio Armani, Calvin Klein, Donatella Versace, Ralph Lauren, Christian Dior. I'm doing pretty good, haven't I? Thank God for Google. And who's this 80-year-old fake-baked guy that you see in Winnipeg all over the place on uh, Nygaard, right? Is it Ny some? There we go. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, or let's make that maybe just a little bit more relevant. Make it even Levi's or Under Armour or Nike or Champion. Apparently Champion is the new thing back in style again. Who would have known half my roofing clothes are Champion? Name brand clothes. And so I feel like a model when I'm roofing nowadays because I'm wearing Champion clothing. I, never, I had no idea until some, one of my kids enlightened me within the last couple of weeks. Champion is the new thing again. It's amazing. How about we forget about all those name brands and we focus on wearing this? Getting dressed in this. So that when we're out and about, these qualities, they are like clothes on your back. So that when people look at you, this is what they will see. We won't have to try and put on some kind of a fake facade. You won't have to try and figure out when to do what or how to act or when not to do this or when to say that. Just get up in the morning and get dressed. Get dressed into these clothes and go about your day. Kindness. Simply treat the person next to you the way you would like to be treated. Is that so hard? Humility, an amazing quality. We spent some time talking about that quality back in January, and I'm not going to repeat everything I said back then. Part of it is simply recognizing the truth that we tried capturing last Sunday when we looked at verse 11. Everyone matters equally. There's nobody more or less important, and it's kind of getting that. Humility is recognizing and embracing the fact that you are holy and dearly loved by God. That's humility. And understanding where that comes from, it comes because of Jesus, not because of anything that you've done or haven't done or planning to do. It's because of Jesus and recognizing that and embracing that. I am holy and dearly loved. Humility. Gentleness. That's an original, uh, the original word there actually translated means strength under control. It refers to the way that you would hold a baby. This word gentleness. Not with feeble, floppy arms, but with incredible strength and resolve and firmness, and yet at the same time, incredible gentleness. That's the word that is translated gentleness here. It's not some feeble, floppy person. Power, strength, under control. Patience, forgiveness. What a huge, huge word, forgiveness. I read a few books during my sabbatical, uh, particularly when we were in the Dominican for those two weeks. Um, Pearl was actually stunned how, how much I read. Uh, reading has not come naturally for me, um, but I picked up a book. Somebody had given me a book, and I very, very much re enjoyed reading it. It was about my great-great-grandfather. His name is Chnals Plat, uh, whichever way you want to translate it. They took as many, this author took as many facts as they knew about him or could find about him, and then they wrote this storybook, adding all kinds of stuff that could likely have been conversation, etc., etc., but they took facts about his life and then translated all of that into a storybook. And, and it was, it was um, lots of good stuff. I was amazed by much of it. Also, some very, very sobering details about his life. 
after his move from the Ukraine to Manitoba, so that was back in 1875 for him, uh, one of his sons named Johan, a young married man, decided to take his young wife and family and join the popular charismatic movement of the day, led by John Haldeman. And my great-great-grandfather could not handle that. It felt like rejection to him. And for the next 16 years, my great-great-grandfather refused to go and visit his son and his grandchildren. Despite the fact that they lived right across the road from him, 16 years of stubbornness and unforgiveness. And you wonder where I get my stubbornness from. Slowly, God kept on reminding him of the unforgiveness in his heart. And one day, he was old and feeble. He found walking very difficult already. He heard that his son had contracted, the son, Johann, had contracted the dreaded typhoid fever, a fever that was ravaging the villages and meant almost certain death, also incredibly contagious. And the utmost precautions had to be taken when giving care to those dying with this dreaded disease. And when my great-great-grandfather heard the news that his son had contracted this dreaded fever, he rose out of his chair, he shuffled to the door, he got dressed, it was winter outside, he slowly made his way down his driveway, across the road, and down the driveway of his son. He knocked on his son's door. His wife and daughters gasped when they saw him because they had, he had not been there for 16 years. He made his way past all of them, refusing their attempts to stop him. He made his way into his son's bedroom where his son lay burning up from this horrible fever. And my great-great-grandpa threw himself onto his dying son's body, begging for forgiveness. As a result of that, he also contracted disease. As I told you, it was incredibly contagious. And they actually died only a few days apart. And because it was winter and very difficult to dig graves, they dug only one grave and they buried father and son together. in one grave. And you go, why? Why? Why wait for 16 years? Why wait for a year or a month or a week or a day or an hour? Forgive. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He forgave long before we ever asked to be forgiven. Remember, you are holy because of his forgiveness. And dearly loved. Bear with one another and forgive one another. These are clothing that we wear. It's what happens when we move around. It's what we happens when we move around with the clothing that we put on in the morning. Oh, and then over all these clothing, you throw a shawl or a jacket or a coat or coveralls, call it whatever you want. Over all these clothing, you put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
Apparently this happens. I've heard from time to time somebody make some kind of a comment. Um, I don't want to be sexist or anything, but it tends to happen in, our, in my realm a little more from the females than from the men. Um, where someone is wearing certain clothes and then they find this, this perfect sweater. I, I don't, I'm not sure if that's the right word. Or a blazer or a shawl or something. And it just perfectly ties the whole outfit together so nicely. It's actually exactly what Paul is talking about here. There's something after you're dressed. Uh, there's, there's that one more thing that you put on over all of that and it just kind of ties it all together. For me, that's Levi jeans, actually. I feel like that just nicely ties together all of my outfits. But don't let me distract you from the truth that Paul is talking about here. How would you like to go to a church where people would get dressed like this every morning? How would you like to be a part of a, a group of people where people get dressed like this every morning and they head out into their day? Those are the clothes you wear. Focus less on getting all your rituals and systems and policies just right and simply focus on all together being a group that is dressed like this. We move on to the next little section of verses. Paul shifts gears just slightly. He brings in a new category of qualities and it seems like he's kind of implying that, that these are qualities that you will have on the inside of you. And so if the first list was the clothes that you get dressed in when you get up in the morning in order to kind of just keep running with that idea, let's call this the breakfast that you eat. This is what you put into your body when you get up in the morning. This is your cup of coffee or your glass of milk. This is your nourishment. This creates the energy from which you will be acting during the course of the day. Some of us are kind of creatures of habit in the morning. Me, not so much. But I have a nephew. He's a grown man by now. Quite respect him. But his breakfast never changes. There are no options. It is simple and basic and consistent. It is cereal always. He used to come over quite a bit when he was a child and into his teens. And at our house, breakfast is one of the meals where we like to kind of, on special days, we kind of like to do something special with breakfast. You know, maybe it's pancakes or maybe it's fresh muffins that Pearl baked or eggs or omelets or those kind of, we like to sometimes do something a little special. And so when he would be over, sometimes Pearl would want to, this is kind of a special day and everything, so we're going to have kind of a special breakfast. And Pearl would get the stuff on the table that she, whatever it was, you know, something kind of special. And he would look at all of that and he would say, do you have cereal? Always. Cereal. Every morning. Paul says here, the things we have for breakfast. Here are the things that Paul says, you fill yourselves, and I'm saying that plural intentionally because he does it here, you fill yourselves, we're still talking about a group of people, you fill yourselves up with. Might sound individual, but he's speaking about the character and qualities of the group. He says, as members of one body, so the, the group here, the peace of Christ rules in you. That word rules could also be translated referees or umpires. 
The peace of Christ among you and in you makes the rules. It's not your systems or your policies or your structures or your rituals or your traditions that make the rules. It is the peace of Christ that rules. And then be filled with a spirit of thankfulness. And then let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I say, how's that for a nutritional breakfast that's going to fuel you during the course of the day? God's peace, thankfulness, and the word of God. I'm not sure about you, but I will gladly work together with a group of people who have that for breakfast on a daily basis. Put together a group of people who have filled themselves up with this diet before getting together, and then when they get together in whatever form that might be, not just on Sunday morning, but whenever, wherever, however, these people don't just fill themselves up, but it's actually their passion and their vision to help fill each other up with this nutrition. I really hope that my excitement about this little section of verses is beginning to wear off on you just a little bit. This is God's call for us. I want you to be clothed with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness and tolerance and acceptance. And then I want you all together, together with me, to, that we would be filled up on the inside with God's peace and thankfulness and, and his word. And then God says, I want you to go and do life together like that. And so that becomes kind of the foundation from which we act out. And that is where Paul goes next, from this foundation, with these clothes on and with this nourishment inside of you. He keeps going in these verses, and he says, You teach, admonish with wisdom, you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We don't know exactly what each one of those, much effort has been given to, uh, or made to try and di di differentiate exactly what each one of those different type of singing, praising words mean. We don't actually know exactly what each one of them means, but it does mean that evidently, even back then already, when they did praise and worship, if you want to call it that, they had different types or categories or genre. Uh, I feel kind of cultured when I use words like that. D did I use it in the right context, Jesse? Yeah, thank you. Um, they had different ways of singing or maybe chanting with gratitude in your hearts. I know that not every song that we sing, sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. <laughs> I know that not every song that we sing here speaks to each one of you equally and not every style speaks to each one of you equally and, uh, and, and I'm glad about that. Because if it did, we would be far too much the same to even begin to sufficiently express God's diversity and God's fullness. But I want to thank you. I want to thank all of you, older and younger, different backgrounds and tastes and talents. You are a gracious church family. And I include all of those that are not here this morning also. So many of the fights and struggles that I hear some of my colleagues talking about and complaining about, I honestly, I simply don't understand. It is because of what characterizes you, what you have decided to get dressed into, and what you have decided to fill yourself up with. 
See, I believe that when it is our goal, first of all, to focus on Jesus instead of earthly stuff, and then to be dressed in compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgiveness, and it is our goal to be filled with the peace of Christ and thankfulness and the word of God richly. Oh, we're not quite there yet. But this is what we want to be, and in many ways, and of course I want to say humbly and thankfully, you are a group of people that have already decided to make this a reality here. Thank you. I like how he sums things up in verse 17. And whatever you do, sing and teach and admonish and whatever else you all do as a church, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks. Again, he uses that word. I find it interesting. These last three verses, every verse contains a, um, a reference to giving thanks or gratitude or thankfulness. Somehow, it seems as though he understands and he's trying to help us understand that being a group of people with a spirit of thankfulness somehow has an incredible influence. And if I think about that a little bit, it makes sense. What's the opposite of being thankful? Anybody venture a guess? Grumbling? I, in my notes here, I use the word complaining, which would be very closely related. Now, pick. Do you like being a part of a thankful group or a part of a complaining group? Pretty simple, I think. Thankfulness. Being a group of people that's thankful. He says it over and over and over here. People often wonder, you know, what is right and what is wrong? Can I do this or can I do that? Maybe it's, it's as simple as asking, um, whatever I'm wondering about, is it something that I would feel good about doing in the name of Jesus? Songs we sing, jokes we tell, conversations we have, business we do, money we spend, people we connect with, food we eat, drink we drink. I, I'm doing this. In the name of Jesus. Maybe that's a nice little check. I remember when Carrie came home from China the first time she was there. She told us a story of her first encounter with the main Beijing train station. Huge, 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 huge. Acres and acres and acres. I think she's half a section, something like that. Just a, uh, uh, just a sea of people all going in different directions. And here's Carrie, 18-year-old, plight, kind-hearted, Rosenord girl. And she's always letting people go in front of her. You know, that's, of course, what any good, kind-hearted Christian girl would do. And finally, the lady that had met her and whom she was going to be traveling to the orphanage together with pulled her around, looked in her face, and said, Carrie, here in China, you have to push with the love of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the way their culture works. I love that. Whatever you do, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our time is up for this morning. Keep on memorizing. I want to encourage you. Memorize these verses. I love these verses. I want this to be the kind of church that we are together. Amen.